0: We do yeah. ahead. Go ahead,
1: Go ahead. No, I thought he was right. Get back in the spot.
0: Good luck. Luck. Take a one. Take a one.
1: Welcome back to Green and Gold Rugby, episode 158. Uh, We skipped last week, but we're back in action this week, and we've got a great show looking back at the last couple of Wallaby tests uh, with some special guests later on. But first and foremost, as is our want, uh, we've got um, uh, uh, someone with proper uh, uh, rugby credibility here, and joining us today is Bo Robinson, who I believe... Are you the official spirit leader of the Queensland country team there, Bo?
0: So, I made a title that I take very seriously,
1: too. So. Tell us, what does it involve, But What does a spirit leader bring to Queensland Country?
0: Uh mate, I just try to get the boys up and, you know, unite you know, them. Obviously, uh, it was pretty tough with the preparation going, the competition sort of thing, quite limited, especially Queensland Country boys. A lot of them are at uni or working sort of thing, so we sort of only really got the squad together. To, the week of the uh, NRC sort of thing. So, um, yeah, just trying to get them uh, familiar with they are. Good stuff, mate. Well, let's
1: talk through it. You know, we've had, I think we're up to round four. You guys had the buy in the first round. Hasn't been an ideal start for you guys. You're zero and three at the moment. What's your take on the season so far from your perspective?
0: Yeah, a little bit disappointing sort of thing. Um, you know, without... Uh, Sounding like a broken record, we have um, been growing with each game sort of thing and developing, Um, I suppose just a little bit of uh, inexperience and lack of composure has probably cost us, especially the last two games.
1: Yeah, they've been tight ones. You've never been out of it. Even that New South Wales country game down there at Bont, uh, they got away a couple of times, but you hung in there, and again, a, a couple of late tries to them sort of probably blew the scoreboard out again. But the last two games, very tight, and, mate, watching the, the one on the weekend versus the Rays, a, a great comeback. They got out to a great start, the Rays, but you guys fought back, and I thought you had it there, but again, a late try. Just uh, just let it slip through your fingers, eh? Hey? Yeah, you know, we've shown resilience, I think,
0: in all three games to, uh, you know, come back uh, from, you know, a few tries down and well, been within reach or even a lot of them well, we've been in front of things. So it's been disappointing, but uh, you, you can't fight the
1: boys' courage. Yeah, well, that's great, mate. So your next game's Thursday night. So it's the TV game, but it's also down there at Ballymore. So obviously any locals uh, get down to the Ballymore. It's always great watching first-class rugby at Ballymore. You're taking on the Rams. You feel confident, guys? Can you turn the turn the season around here? Oh, definitely. I think as
0: you know, we I
1: mentioned previously,
0: there have been quite close losses, especially the last two sort of things. So, um, we're definitely, you know, we're disappointed, that we're not down on confidence. We're uh, still believing in what we've got there.
1: Yeah. No, mate. You played against... you? Sorry, you played in the 2007 version of this competition, the ARC. Um, can you remember that back that far? Are there any differences, any similarities between the two competitions? What's what's the feel like from
0: your perspective? Yeah, quite a lot of similarities sort of thing. I think, uh, you know, the formation of the teams have probably got it right this time as opposed to what they did the first time around. But quite, quite a similar competition... Uh, yeah, you know, it's quite obvious sort of thing with the naming of the few teams. So
1: yeah, it's good. One of the um, obviously the the NRC there to give a chance to uh, another breed of players, I guess. But it's also an opportunity for the coach and their staff. Talk us through the Queensland Country coaching structure and some of the, the people involved that we may not know about. I know obviously Steve Mean, who's the uh, the attack or backs coach for the Reds, is your head coach. Who else you got on board there? <laughs>
0: Uh, Tim Timson, is the attack coach, um, Peter Wilkins is involved with the Reds, Garrick Morgan, um, and uh, a few other people from Pub Land that have really come in and uh, added a lot to the team, To just been good. I think it's been good for them to get that exposure as well. Excellent.
1: And what about the players, mate? Are there any players in your country squad that you weren't overly aware of that have impressed you on the field or training and attitude and wise? some of the young guys, or just the unheralded names?
0: I uh, probably wasn't familiar with both of them, to be honest. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I think I think all of them have really developed in the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, uh, Dan Gorman, Riven uh, um Sam Patel, the second was in particular, have come along with their game. Mitch King and Benny Adams have really stepped up. James Turner. Calling the line outs who stepped up? Ryan Franey was a player probably didn't know about, and been quite impressed with too. And uh, and also, you know, a few of the backs that hopefully make the most of their opportunity over the next couple of weeks
1: too. Yeah, and you've had to, you know, go deeper to your depth there as well. You've you've had injuries almost before the season started. A lot of your contracted players, Blake Ennever and Lolo Falakasaki f- 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 we will call them Lolo, uh, Scotty Gale, obviously <laughs> then. Um, Mikey Harris and Benny Lucas never games you know, Scotty Johnson's back this week, they've like, got that massive head knock so you've had to battle on with uh, with I guess that, uh, a few of those unknown players, so uh, uh, just typifies the, the quality of the competition I guess
0: Yeah, you've mentioned blokes that are being involved in um, you know, the Red Squad a wider training group. there's a fair few other blokes there too that are in unfortunately that won't see from club and probably another like, four or five on top of that, so We've been decimated by injuries, which is very um, unfortunate, but I suppose it's great opportunities for, for the blokes on the club land.
1: Yeah, so you're one of the, the guys from country that's obviously been involved with Super Rugby for a while. Has What's the difference between Super Rugby and NRC? Has there any been any noticeable change in tactic that you've applied because of the the new rules or, or just because of the nature of the competition?
0: Um, not off the top of my head. No, not not necessarily. Obviously, I haven't been. Um, teams don't have enough time. I would say to probably analyse their opposition. So right. therefore, you it allows you to play a more attacking style because you haven't been over analysed by the opposition. So that's probably why we're seeing such free free flying rugby. I'd say.
1: Is that right? So you reckon sometimes there's a bit of a paralysis by analysis when it gets to the, the high level stuff, and you know better off just getting out there and playing.
0: Oh no! I think the paralysis. No, not paralysis by analysis. I just think that you know opposition analyse what uh, they expect to get from you know the opposition in terms of attacks so then they can counterattack attack that with their defence. Yeah, if right. they don't get that opportunity at this level.
1: Yeah. Okay. Now, mate. Uh, finally, away from rugby, you're pretty active yourself. So I know you're starting. You've got a few a few little endeavours on the side there. Tell us about that. What are you up to these days outside of rugby?
0: Oh mate, got a got a few things in the pipeline. Uh, as I said, just uh, still continuing with my sports management degree at Griffith. Um, just doing a, a few other little uh, courses here and there to um, you know further myself with uh, business studies and whatnot. And yeah, got a little concept going along, which will hopefully uh, make opportunities to travel, travel the world through the uh, global rugby team community more accessible, but uh, yeah, I won't go into too much of that just yet, so uh, hopefully when the site goes live, I'll be able to get on here and talk about that more in depth.
1: Good stuff, Bo. Look, well, mate, thanks a lot for your time, and obviously we're encouraging everyone to get down to Ballymore that can on Thursday night. Uh, it'll be a cracker of a game. The Rams have uh, sort of turned their season around, haven't they? They started slowly, a couple of wins, and, and now they're pushing mid to the top of the table, so it's definitely a chance for uh, for the, the country guys to do something similar. So uh, get down there and support country and Bo and the boys, and uh, let's see you
0: take it to them, hey, mate? Yeah, that'd be great. Absolutely got a good crowd there, so it'll be exciting for all the boys, I'm sure.
1: All right, good stuff, Bo. Well, thanks for your time, mate. We appreciate it on a training night, and uh, we'll let you get back to it, and we'll speak to you again soon.
0: Anytime, Thanks for having me again, Brandon Gold. There, right there. All
1: right, thanks to Bo Robinson there, uh, good insight on the NRC, we appreciate him, he, he literally jumped off the training field and, and onto the mobile, or into his car, and onto the mobile to have a chat to us, so we appreciate that Bo, and best luck to Queensland Country this Thursday night when they take on the Rams at Ballymore. Uh, get on down there, now we're going to talk, we, you know, we've ditched the professionals and onto the not quite so professional, and we welcome um, we welcome Barbarian, the one and only Hugh Cavill. How are you, Hugh?
2: I'm good, Reg. I'm good. Uh, high high off
1: a, a, a Titanic test win on the weekend wasn't <laughs> not one for the ages, but still uh, plenty to talk about. Yeah, and we almost sunk at the end, so not quite the true Titanic. But uh, and then joining us from Melbourne for the first time in what seems like ages, Big Stew. How are you, Stew?
3: Well, the check finally cleared, guys. So, um, are we talking NRC
1: yet? No, no, we've still got to. We wanted to do. Oh, come never, on. We never got uh-huh. around to doing that Rebel season review. So, if you could leave us <laughs> on, that'd be great.
3: Well, um, average.
1: But <laughs> well, it doesn't matter
3: because we've got a new team and they're good. So, are we going to. Uh, we
1: can talk no, about no. whatever
3: happened, but yeah, just wake me up when. Um, when we're on the rising.
1: right, I'll send you a text when we're ready to talk in I see what we're gonna start we're gonna start wallabies obviously and and the most recent test uh... was obviously versus Argentina down there on the Gold Coast on uh, on Saturday night Aussies got home 32-25 and oh gosh you know it looks there's times when we could have run away with it but in the end Argentina came back strongly it was it was pretty tight in the end Hugh what was your read of this game were we luckily to come away or were you always confident Oh, look, it's
2: always hard to tell with the Argies because they can sometimes, you know, you see them push the All backs like they did last week, and uh, but they can also collapse in a heap like they did over there last time we played them. So you never really know what team's going to show up. But I watched the game again today, and, and funnily enough, at the 60-minute mark, when we were up 29-10, I think, was the score, you would have said, fantastic, we're playing really well, we've scored three tries, uh, we've really kept the Argies quiet, we dominated the set piece, you know, ticking all the boxes. It was a fantastic performance. And then, uh, you know, some substitutions were made, some uh, little changes in the game, the bounce of the ball started going the RG's way, they, the passes started sticking for them. And um, in the end, we were really lucky to get away with it. I think, um, yeah, the the, the uh, guys in the last 20 minutes just really took the foot off the accelerator and, and is a little bit concerning. And, and yeah, that, that sort of 50-50 call in the end with the scrums and... Um, we were lucky lucky to get away with it, but um, so certainly there were positives there. I thought we, we played pretty well for, for three quarters of the game, but uh, just couldn't finish it off.
1: Yeah, let's let's just take advantage of your recency of viewing. Was there a turning point? Was it that those replacements? I can remember that um, sort of was it the bill break to, and the pass to Higgins and Higgins just putting it down one handed. That seemed to, to you know that could have been an opportunity for us to really nail the game, but I think after not long after that it was the Argentinians were, were back in it. But that, that use of the bench is interesting. Everyone sort of gave kudos to Link last week against the box on that bench use. And it they really maintained the momentum. And, and guys like Cowan and Higginbotham and, and Hall really stood up on Hodgson uh, when he came on. Uh, this week they seemed to come on a bit earlier. and it, It's an interesting dynamic, isn't it? You can blame the coach for when they come on. And that it's a comment often made on the forum. But in the end... The reserves are the ones that have to stand up and, and do the jobs themselves, Stu. It's, it's not, you know, they're selected to make that impact and maintain momentum, but uh, if they don't do it, you can't blame the coach for that.
3: It's interesting, though, because one of the things that I got out of the game um, was... I'm a bit concerned with our, and with our depth, not so much in, um, you know, just sheer number, but I think, you know, we'll... We'll find out how uh, how far down we go with um, uh, TPN's injury uh, during the game. But in terms of their almost their subscription to the game plan, it seemed that as soon as the, those uh, substitutions came on, and you're right, they did come on earlier than, um, than in previous tests, we kind of lost our way a bit. And I think... Um, that's going to be an issue against, um, it might not be so much of an issue against Argentina, but if we can't get the full squad playing the same way with that same, I guess, you know, the running rugby that we all love to talk about, Yeah. You know, any time, we're not going to get off uh, as lightly as we did against Argentina, losing all that momentum when subs come on.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah I- I agree. I agree with you, and I think the thing about it was that was that was I think most concerning about that was sometimes the team performance goes down when the subs come on, but that's often a lot of the, the existing players are a bit tired, they're falling off the tackles and and uh, and so on. But the the thing that concerned me was actually a lot of the mistakes in that last fifteen minutes, particularly, mm. were by the substitutes. You know, the, a lot of the missed tackles. Benny Alexander fell off a few tackles. James Hall fell off a few tackles. Um, and the scrum, you know, the, the scrum mm. props actually were a real step back, and that was another major turning point when the Argentinian scrum seemed to discover its mojo. And, and um, there was a string of penalties and free kicks against us that really marched us down the field and, and practically uh, set up the Argentinians' first try uh, in that last period. So, yeah, that that was the pro- that was the main problem that, that yeah. these guys were coming on and, and not not only not having impact, but actually having a, having a negative impact uh, yeah, and making the little mistakes and things.
3: I read something interesting by um, by Stephen Moore over the past week, uh, who suggested that our, our big issue in that regard is going to be how tight our set pieces are. Um, you know, he said. Uh, I think he was talking to Fairfax, and he said that uh, it all starts with set piece in test footy. You know, get ascend get ascendancy or win your ball. Well, we can do a lot with that. When we bring these players on, especially against teams who are very good at set pieces, such as New Zealand and South Africa, and not, they're not immediately at the same level as our starting 15. Then you know we're going to get run over in the last 20, 30 minutes of the game every time. And I suppose my concern out of the Argentina game was you know, we seem to lose, we almost seemed to lose our way immediately as those subs came on. If we're not drilled, you know, if we're not drilled in the exact same game plan. No matter how far we go down in our depth, we're going to have some issues going against uh, going to the Tour of South
1: Africa and Argentina. Yeah, it's, a, it's a curious observation because, as I said before, the South African game, the impact was solid. I mean, everyone talked about Peck Cowan's impact where you know he came on and, and you know, people have been a little bit worried about Peck, but the scrum held up against the box. Mm. Now, the box scrum hasn't been as strong this season as it has in the past. Um, yeah. but like you say, when the changes were made this week, it wasn't quite as strong, so look, let's move part, past those those negatives Hugh, you mentioned some of the positives, what was your what was some of your positives that you identified from the game?
2: Oh look, I think the performance of our starting front row was, was stellar and mm. again, they can just continue mm. their great form I thought Sakopi Kepu and James Slipper were probably two of our best uh, three or four players on the park Tatafu was great before he tragically succumbed to injury yeah, yet again terrible, but yeah. Um, yeah. That was that was one I, look and I thought the performance of the halves was laudable I thought Nick Phipps was fantastic um, that try he set up for Peter Beetham looked alarmingly like something will Genny would do in his prime I thought you know a good burst of speed through a hole and then great vision to see beatham and, and, and a pinpoint pass to put him put him over um, and Bernard Foley as well really uh, solid play right on the advantage line and, and had a number of nice runs I think a lot of the sentiment I've seen on, on the on the forums and on on the front page, but specifically, is a lot of doom and gloom about the state of the Wallabies. But I actually think, look, they're playing pretty well at the moment. I thought that was a that was a you know, seventy-five to eighty percent performance, uh, you know, running rugby, ball in hand stuff. And the errors, there were a few errors there, but considering all three tests they played in Australia so far have been in pretty slippery conditions, I think um, we we forget how solid our team's become, and we've only lost one game in our past, I think, ten or eleven. So. Um, there's still a lot to like about our team in its current form. Um, South Africa's obviously going to be a litmus test, but we'll get to that.
1: Yeah, look, it's interesting. I agree with you. I look, I 100% agree about the props, and I thought Kepu in particular raised his game this test. I think he played very well versus France. I hadn't quite seen in the rugby championship, but this game in particular, he was very strong. Phipps was the one that stood out to me as much a surprise packet, and I think we saw the true value of him as a scrum half in this game. The speed of delivery, and he was copying flack on Twitter. I was, I was watching some people who who weren't rating him, and whether that was some of his decision making, the quick taps, and there's his passing's not a hundred percent accurate, consistent. But gee, the speed of it is remarkable, and it it is such an important part of our game plan. It would seem um, in terms of playing that up tempo game, and and even the quick taps, keeping things going. Look, you know, I think if you have it again, you you wouldn't take a quick tap right in front of the post, but. Um, but I thought Phipps was fantastic, and and Foley, um, yeah. Despite the try, he bombed, uh, which frustrated the hell out of me. He, he, You're right. He takes it to the line, and he he takes it he- heavy and hard. So uh, a lot to like about those performances there.
2: I'm I'm not sure that was a bomb try actually, Reg. I I think the fullback, it, the fullback was sort of coming up for the intercept actually. and I, I wonder if he passed it. Whether the Argentinian player would have got in between the, the in between the two players there. So I'm not sure he took. Necessarily the wrong option there. It's one of those easy, easy to say in hindsight things about what happened. And, and had oddly enough, people were castigating Michael Hooper for giving away a penalty there, but Nick Phipps actually mm. also dropped the ball over the line, so it wouldn't mm. have been a try anyway. Mm. But uh, yeah, I, I can see what you mean. He did all the work to make the break, but just just um, watch the finish there a little bit.
1: Yeah, I'll call it a bomb try. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, no you no. just see <laughs> things through red-tinted glasses, mate. This is <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> <don't know>. <problem>.
3: And there's the explicit tag for the podcast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Um, what about you, Stu? What was your observation from the game? I guess one of the big talking points was the crowd. I mean, not not even fifteen thousand. Um, what's your feeling on this?
3: Yeah, it's um, it's interesting. Uh, I think it was one of the, you're right. It was one of the major talking points, and they got a crowd of fourteen thousand two hundred eighty-one. Um, so it's the, and the ABC called it the lowest home attendance this century, this century. Um, yeah, it's very easy to criticise, but I think my, it's also very easy to say, oh, that just the Gold Coast don't turn out for sport, um, which I don't think is completely true because, you know, they bid for the Commonwealth Games in 2018, and I think they're going to be um, somewhat surprised to figure out what they are, Yeah, it's not just some people playing chess, Um, but I think more of it, uh, it more speaks to our treatment of Argentina as a a high drawing test event, like a prime time event, and I'd argue that Argentina at this stage is not ready to be prime time, you know, it's a uh, yeah, it's a Sunday afternoon at best and I think we're we're almost putting too much pressure on whoever hosts that test to turn out for something where you know we're as Australia a team playing for second place in the rugby championship and they're a team playing to not lose
1: or to win their first ever game of rugby championship mm. I mean yeah but, I was going to say the point quickly, Hugh. It's a valid point, Stu, and one of the the most, uh, I guess, pertinent points that people have made about this game uh, is that the ratings were pretty terrible as well. It was obviously up against AFL finals and NRL finals, um, but the ratings were terrible, which would seem to indicate it wasn't just a Gold Coast thing, as you say. If you'd you'd played Mm. in Brisbane, Sydney, Canberra, Adelaide, wherever, it was always up against it. Um, yeah. so well I think they, especially in um,
3: in September I mean it was up against Fremantle versus Port Adelaide in the AFL um, so Cowboys, that's Melbourne no gone yeah. and Cowboys Broncos in the NRL um, so you literally could not have picked a worse day for it um, but I think one thing that, that um, I'd suggest is that Especially around finals times, Sunday Arbos are free. And, you know, we've seen during the France Tour how successful Sunday afternoon rugby can be. And as much as, uh, Sansar and the broadcasters want to fall back on the idea that rugby is a prime time event, I mean, we need to be realistic about this. We could, I mean, during finals, there is nothing on, on Sunday afternoon in Melbourne. Mm. Because all the, all the, uh, and I'm speaking with a, uh, you know, Melbourne bias, obviously. I want more tests. Give me more tests. Um, but there is, because all finals are scheduled on Friday or Saturday nights to allow for uh, interstate travel and things like that, nothing happens on a Sunday afternoon. If you put an, if you put a test on an 80, it would sell out. Yeah. I, 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 ra- and I raise I the point the today. Oh, sorry. No, okay.
2: Well, i just say, I wrote an article about that today on, on, the, on the site, and um, I think one of the points that I raised, and I'm, I'm trying to put in better words here, is, is that um, the game at the moment, in its form, it, it's got no story, it's got no narrative, it's got no reason for being. You look at all the other games we play in Australia, where the, the mid-season France test, where you know, you're seeing the Wallabies for the first time, you know, new combinations, debutants, all this sort of stuff. Uh, and then, you know, the Blederslohs, the Blederslohs in South Africa, we've got a long history with, and they're a great team. And then we come to this Argentina test, and every year so far that we play them, we've already been out of the rugby championship, so we've got really nothing to play for. And all the expectation, all the build up for the Blederslohs being been deflated like a balloon, so really there's not much enthusiasm in the community anymore. So we come to this sort of empty game. As you say, the time slot's terrible, all this, all this other stuff. And you go well. Of course, why would the people of the Gold Coast really want to come and see this? We haven't built it into anything. So I think if we're going to have, we we have to give it some sort of story. Whether that's taking it to the bush, taking it to yeah, say Melbourne on on a Sunday afternoon and doing a bit of a you know hark back to the old days of afternoon footy, try and build some sort of narrative around it and and get people to want to start talking about and get to go. Even though we've got really nothing, the Wallabies aren't really playing for anything. I mean the other point.
3: yeah, sorry. I, I thought that was, um, that was a great article this afternoon. And I think you, you hit the nail on the head in that there is, you know, this test doesn't have a reason for being at this particular point in time. But I, I wonder how much of it is, in this year specifically, how much of it relates to the events of New Zealand a couple of weeks ago. Because I mean, that pretty much locks in the rugby championship. And it seems to happen every year. Um, you know, it's heading across the Tasman, same to the Yeah, you know, From a devil's advocate point of view, a wallaby test against Argentina for me isn't as high drawing as seeing the rising smash Perth because that's good quality rugby and it's, there's still some bearing on the event. Um, so. You know, I, th- I think you've got it right in that it should be the first test of the season and, or of the rugby championship season. And, um, you know, let's see if we can move it around a bit. And,
0: you know, I, I think
3: if, if you gave it to Adelaide, if you put the, the, uh, Australia Argentina test on Adelaide Oval on a Sunday afternoon, you would sell the place out.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting one. I'm not as convinced. I I, I agree. The article is excellent today, and some very good points made. Um, what are my th- concerns is that Australian look there's no there's no promotion on the Gold Coast or, or barely anything, and we, we've seen that for the last few years with the sevens as well, and the crowds there have been just as terrible. We've got at least one more year in the Gold Coast for that this year uh, in a not too long a month's time or so. AOU don't have the funds um, to to invest in too much marketing in these let's call them you know growth markets or new markets non-traditional markets um, and the wallabies just don't have the profile or the 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 level of performance I guess at the moment to to really drive that either to had they don't have that they haven't captured the brand so to speak if you want to talk a bit wanky um, I'd be really hesitant about taking it to too many of these these growth areas like Adelaide or the Gosfords and Newcastle's now until we can really establish the Wallabies can perform and, and drive a crowd themselves. I'd be keeping it traditional, and you know I'd, I'd include Melbourne and and Canberra and that sort of stuff. Um, but I, I, I'm I'm really concerned about uh, the need to take things too far when we don't have the the brand to to drive it through.
3: Yeah, that's very true. Um, but I mean, to be honest, on a on a Saturday night where there are there are events where there are more at stake. I don't think having it at Allianz in this particular case would have helped. Yeah. Um, but you know, there, yeah. there is something there is something to be said for um, for giving the event a bit more space to to kind of to, to build its own story. And I think the, the idea of having it as the first test of the season um in itself gives it a story. And I I in well Victoria we have, you know, the traditional season opener for the AFL, there's always Cullen versus Richmond. And nobody knows why that is. But it has and you know, there's nothing particularly significant about it except for the fact that it's the season opener. And that's given it a story. You know, so I think we can do something similar with Australia and Argentina and hopefully in a in a few years' time, it won't matter where
1: it is. Yeah. Look, yeah. There, there, there's not much, well, I think the Gold Coast have got an, an agreement which keeps it, they've got one more test next year committed, so we'll mm-hmm. see what they do and you'd love to, as you say, Hugh, build a story around it, whether it's early in the season, Stu, as you suggest, or at least afternoon footy. I, ironically, Sunday afternoon was a, a beautiful day on the Gold Coast and how good would it have been to see, uh, you know, a 3pm kickoff on, on Sunday? I, I think that's the type of thing that suits the whole Gold Coast vibe, anyway. So, um, I guess, I guess the, the one lesson
3: that you want to take out of this is that you don't want this to be a tipping point to give up on areas such as this. I saw one article over the week saying, "Oh, uh, Gold Coast have a deal to uh, to have one more test, but the A A U are likely to give them Samoa or Tonga or something." You, know, you don't want to drive home the fact that we're expecting a poor crowd mm. because then you'll get a poor crowd. Mm. You know, if, if you're going to continue with, and I, I, I speak from some sort of experience because Melbourne was in this, you know, this holding pattern about you know, 10 years ago um, of you know, do we give them a big event because if we do, will they show up for it? You know, and we've had years where we got you know, New Zealand had Stadium and then the next year we got Samoa um, just because they weren't sure what category we fell into. If we're going to persist with the Gold Coast uh, and with growth markets um, as a whole, we need to commit funds to them. We need to commit advertising dollars to them. Otherwise, we have to go the opposite route, as you said, and just stick to
1: what we know. Yeah, which is probably my leaning for the time being until we build up this. <laughs> Australian rugby gets more financial and the Wallabies get more successful. Look, let's uh, let's wrap it up there from the test match and start to look ahead again. Tomorrow, by the time most people will probably listen to this podcast, the, the Wallaby squad will be announced for um, the two test tour of, to South Africa and uh, Argentina. Uh, we'll be taking on the, the box uh, on the, the 27th, so a couple of weeks' time at Cape Town, and then moving across to Argentina to, to take on the Pumas over there. Um, obviously, there's been a, a few changes. There'll be a few force changes to that squad. Uh, Tatafi Pallada obviously out. I think Peter Beetham's confirmed out. Uh, Wycliffe parlous confirmed out. Uh, anything more missed there? So that's, you know, th- there's going to be some interesting changes there. Hugh, um... What's your feeling on on this tour?
2: Yeah, those injuries are are a blow. I mean, a part of me is incredible that Pallotta now and Palo have made it this far without being ruled out this season for the Waratahs or the the Wallabies. I hear Rob Horn's on 24-hour watch at the moment because he's due as well. (laughs) Um, But, um, look, I think you've got to set your expectations pretty reasonably. I mean, I I said to the last game over in South Africa, we got beaten by 30-odd. uh, I think we, we really should be trying to take it to South Africa because I, I don't think they are uh, really better than us. I think we, on our day, we can beat them in South Africa quite easily. Um, the question is whether we've got the, the pack to do it. Uh, the Pallotta now and Parler were big losses, and especially Pallotta now because now we're going to have to go back to Chipper Hansen, who's been doing a pretty admirable in job, but really Saturday showed that he's, you know, that Pallotta now does make a big difference. Mm. Um, so I think we're, you know, we're running into a very difficult situation. If we can come away with with a win it'd be amazing, but I, I, to be honest, it may be a bit defeatist. But I'd, I'd settle for a good hard loss. I'd like, you know, just as long as we take it to them physically and uh, and give it give it a good crack. I think I think a realistic expectation is, you know, hopefully getting getting within within a score would would be probably a probably good result.
1: Yeah, no, I'm a bit of a believer. I'm with you. I think there's an opportunity for South Africa. It's got to be tough and and they obviously put in a really good performance versus uh, the Kiwis last week, uh, going down very narrowly. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat hopeful. Look, Palu has got some flack, but he's a loss, there's no doubt. Benny McCallum, I thought, had a very good game uh, against did. the Pumas, so um, at least we've got that coverage there, and who knows what they'll pick from the bench. I guess Higginbotham will remain there, but Matty Hodgson has also made some good impact. Hanson will have to start, which would probably lead uh, I'm assuming Sayah Fainga straight in there, or Seah did come off in the uh, uh, NRC game on the weekend, so if he's not fit, I, I guess it's it's back to Josh Man Ray from the Brumby. Um, and I, I, I assume Ashley Cooper's back fit again, and he'll just walk straight in for Beetham. Is, is that correct? You guys heard anything more there?
2: As far as I know, that's correct.
1: Well, and the only other one is that, that was talked about today in one of the articles and how legit it is, there was talk about Willie Genia coming straight back in for Nick White. So, you know, Phipps has obviously played well enough to keep that nine jersey, but Genia coming in for White. Now, White hasn't, you know, uh, I guess, taken the test team by storm. Um, big core putting Genia straight there after one and a half NRC game. Stu, is that the right call, do you think? Um, I think he's done okay in the NRC, so I don't you had a shocker versus the Rising,
3: mate. Oh well, I didn't <laughs> want to bring it up. Uh, every, to be honest, they all had a shocker yes, against exactly the mighty right. Rising, but you can't expect uh, you can't expect anything less. To no. be honest, yeah. um, we are absolutely dominant, and um, no, we're getting to that later. Well, we're we'll, we'll, we'll 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 Oh well, you don't bring it up if you don't want me to, you know, go off on it. <laughs> um, well, Gennear is a class player, and Regardless of how many NRC games he plays, and you know how bad they get whooped by the mighty Melbourne Rising, um, you, know, you can't replicate that kind of class in a squad easily. Um, so if they're going to lean on what they know, then you know I wouldn't have a particular problem with that. Uh, and yeah, I, I would see him as a good addition to the squad, whether they utilise him or not. Yeah, different story.
1: Well, I, I guess what it gives you is is some solidarity as a replacement should they need it in terms of mm. um, you know bringing someone on who you know will be able to deliver. Uh, the interesting perspective is that he plays a pretty different game from Phipps. Um, mm. You know, the 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 speed of delivery uh, ain't there or hasn't been there this year or, or last. Probably you know a bit more uh, precise in his delivery and, and has other aspects of his game, but um, it's a, a fairly different. Playing style there between the two of them. Yeah. And it and
3: does not bring us I... back to the, uh, the sub issue of, you know, if um, if we're not confident in our substitutes to play the plan that we intended from the first whistle, if we have to change it fundamentally to um, to utilize Wilgenia, are we just going to um, to put our foot in it even more? Yeah. And
2: also, if I was going to put my conspiracy theorist hat on. Which is not one I normally wear, but uh, in the in the in the like in the similar theory to keeping Kirtley, putting Kirtley Beale at ten to keep him from NRL, uh, the 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 noise grows louder and louder about Wilgenia signing with Bath, and uh, yeah. maybe a little little token selection to show him he's uh, get him to feel the love in Australian rugby and show him he's still needed uh, might be timely, but uh, that's a bit far out even for me, so I'm not sure i Yeah, be
1: yeah, I think I think, I think Willy. Willie G's gone, mate. I think he'll do his World Cup and go bath, and hopefully it'll be one of those sabbaticals. We'll see him back soon enough. Hey, here's, here's one for you, guys. So Ewan's now coached, I think, 19 tests. His winning percentage sits at about 57%, 58%, which is the same as Eddie Jones and, and uh, a little bit above Robbie Deans. Now, obviously, they had a lot more um, tests under their belt. Uh, that's their total record after, after their career's finished how are we feeling about you and are we, we, we're still confident he's the right man for the job um, now?
2: A hundred percent, yeah.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm very much
2: behind the Wallabies at the moment and, and the negativity around really gives me the shits. So I, I think if we put ourselves in a, t- in a time machine and go back two or three years, we were scoring one try a game or not even two, I mean, one year, well not one year, sorry, two years, uh, we were scoring one try a game, we were really struggling to beat these, uh, sort of second tier opponents like Argentina like Scotland and, Our theory at the time, what was said everywhere was, look, you know, results I don't really care about. I'd like to see the style improve. I'd like to see us running the ball. I'd like to see us having a crack. I'd like to see us scoring tries. And so now what we have done, really, with the exception, you know, we had a bit of a shocker in Auckland, but, you know, in Perth, and on the Gold Coast we've we've used the ball, we've kept the ball in hand, we've scored tries, we've had a crack and sure we've made errors. we've put the ball down but all that's you know in in the course of, of being aggressive and, and keeping the ball in hand. I think this is exactly the type of rugby we wanted three years ago, two years ago and it's exactly the type of rugby that you and Mackenzie's delivered us and and also it's winning games. Look, we're not putting 50 on these guys, but I think our expectations of what what, what our own abilities are is a little bit unreasonable. Um, I, th- I mean the, the big black spot uh, literally and metaphorically is, is is New Zealand and our continual underperformance against them but if you if you take that away which I understand is a little bit difficult but if you take that away I think I think he's he's passed with flying colors
1: they're everyone's black spot at the moment and it's interesting oh, good I, I'm with you as well but it's, it's interesting that 50 point lossing loss stands out but you look back at the record of Ewan's record he's had 53 50 point wins which we somewhat forget about you know that the France one was pretty recent but uh, Argentina and I think it was Italy last year so it's um yeah look I, I think there's a lot of hope there and I, I really do enjoy how that team's played that that fast up-tempo play um you know he's got obviously 12 months to to perfect it ready for the World Cup but um uh let's hope they continue on and and you know we'll see a bit of it on this tour coming up um, alright we're going to move on from the Wallabies now and talk NRC um, yay, yay! We've, just, <laughs> we've just finished round 4 and before I let uh, Stu loose um, let's just confirm the table at the moment so the Rising are undefeated 4 from 4, New South Wales country, Brisbane City and UK and, and the Canberra Vikings uh, you know, fill out that top 4 so Stu it's been a while go for it mate, tell us about the Rising Ah, oh, well, they're going well, aren't they? They are. Yeah, that, they're, they're that's a cl- awesome. They're a real so, class above. They, they are. They
3: are. You know, it's a bunch of a bunch of Victorian lads. You know, just getting together, playing a, you know, playing a, playing some football, and just really succeeding. We're really kicking an ass, and I like it. You know, and, and one thing that's um, that's got to me over the past couple of weeks is the. Um, the negativity that I'm seeing from people who aren't used to be aren't used to being dominated by Victorians, and that's okay. You know, every 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 code goes through a little bit of a you know adjustment. Um, this one's happened a bit later than I thought it would, which was uh, <laughs> round one round one 2011. Um, and they're saying, oh, you know, your team's full of Super Rugby players, and your team's full of people who aren't from Victoria. And no, all of these guys are Victorian players. They have all played for a Dewar Shield team. They are just as Victorian as uh, as me or any of your, any or both of your Victorian listeners.
1: Stu, just quickly. Yes. Which team does Jonah Placid play for?
3: Oh, sorry, you're cutting out. <laughs> no, go on. Uh, yeah. you, just, you just drive through a bridge, or?
1: Um, but uh, mate, I, I want to add in here. It, it is interesting because I I was one that thought, sort of, wrote them off and said they are. They're full. Of, it's basically the rebels without their wallabies. But if you look at this team, it's not. You know, they have some young players who, who we didn't see much of in of Super Rugby, um, and they're playing damn well. They're, they're probably yeah. the most. Um, polished looking side and there's no doubt a bit of that is the structure from that super rugby uh, mm. but you know the same should be called, said with the, the Vikings and the Spirit who who aren't performing to the same degree um, but uh, it, it's been a really impressive and they, they have put aside the 79 point drubbing of my team Brisbane City um, <laughs> why with, put it aside which was just remarkable it was the
3: best part of the season but,
1: but, <laughs> but you know that, how many tries we scored mate but it's every game. You put fifty on the Rays in the first round. Um, you put you know forty five on the Stars in the second round. That's well, Lapena killed a
3: man in the first round.
1: Lapena.
3: Like I, <laughs> I forget if it was Josh or Luke Holmes, but whoever he is, the only reason that he's still playing it's some kind of you know weekend of Bernie style, just keeping him up with wires, because he was he was dead.
2: Yeah. That that also would explain some of the Rays substandard performance in recent weeks. But um, <laughs> well, the, they, they the uh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> calm down, calm down. Let's, uh, can I in- inject a little bit of sanity, yes, please? Um, <laughs>
3: no, but <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll, it's, it's the Melbourne Rising <laughs> Hour. I was going to I was going to comment the Rising
2: here. So okay, go, yeah, go ahead.
3: Go.
2: I watched the game on uh, Thursday night against Perth, and I think the thing that highlighted to me is is Melbourne have got a, a few players that have really stepped up and. And if you were to compare, you know, first tier players being Wallaby, second tier players, Super Rugby players, and and third tier players, um, they've got a few guys there that in recent, you know, in the last year have have become sec- that have moved from being second tier players who are probably closer to third tier to second tier players that are closer to first tier. And I'm talking about guys like Tom English, Mitch Inman, um, Paul Paul emile and then you know guys like Caden Neville as well. Sean McMahon's there too, um, and you know these are guys that. That at the, before the start of the season, Inman's been around a little longer, but you know these are guys that probably you would say wouldn't look out a place in your club rugby in Sydney or Brisbane or in the even in the in the Jewish Dewar Shield or however you pronounce it. Uh, but they've actually made a real step up, and that's what this third tier tournament's all about: is seeing these guys and how they how they perform against against this opposition. And, and the Rebels guys have, have, are the rising guys, uh, uh, apologies, have, have come through with real fine colours.
3: Again, it's one of those things that I am i don't really understand why people have a problem with. It. It's because one of the major points of the National Rugby Championship was to develop players. And if you look at the Melbourne Rising, they are developing some very, very good players that just so happen to be in the Melbourne Rebel squad. Because you can't look at a player like... And I think you mentioned some very good examples. Um, Paul Al O'Meal, Caden Neville, uh, Sean McMahon, Lepetti Tamani... Uh, Jack uh, Debruschi. Well has yeah. torn the co- competition a new one. Like he, and I think he is a case in point because he joined the Rebels in the South Africa tour. Kinda looked a, you know, a little bit deer caught in headlights. Yeah, and he's a player with a vast array of natural talent. So when he was playing for West Harbour, he was being um, sounded out by uh, several Super Rugby clubs as well as Essendon in the AFL um just because he had you know raw skill but he he went straight into super rugby and um you know he, he his vision wasn't there. He goes into the national rugby championship, gets that you know, gets the opportunity with Nick Sturzaker to to lead a backline. And he's a completely different player. It's it's wild watching him. I you know, I haven't seen that almost you know, that violent a uh, a change. Yeah, you know, it's probably since Nick Phipps going from our reserve um, our uh, reserve scrum mm. half in the first season to being our run on in the first couple of weeks. Um, but I mean. The Rising have had some great stories, and then one of them, of course, is uh, Sefaniya Naivalu, yeah. Yeah, who um, is a, a club player from Box Hill, and has become the first NRC player to be signed uh, to Super Rugby as a result of the NRC, um, and also the first uh, player to be signed directly from the Dewar Shield to the NRC, uh, to the uh, to Super Rugby, which is it's great for the um, it's great for the Victorian competition. Um, it's also great for the Rebels because we finally have a pathway down here. And that's something that I've always um, thought about. Uh, you know, the benefit of the NRC was that, compared to the old ARC, from a Victorian perspective, was that, you know, the old ARC gave Victoria rugby, but none of those players were local. Yeah, you know, they were just a bunch of... Um, a bunch of ring-ins just to have a team based in Victoria. The NRC is giving rugby Victorians. You know, We actually have a pathway now, and we've seen it work within three weeks of the tournament kicking off. You now, it, it's magnificent. And now there's gonna be a whole heap of players next year in the Duar Shield, thinking that and believing that they can be super rugby players.
1: Yep, you're right. And, mate, and I think even next year you'll see more of those come through because I've got no doubt, just looking at that rising team now, a number of those players will end up playing a role for the Wallabies next year. You know, I reckon mm-hmm. they'll be, they'll will be, there's World Cup players there, the likes of Neville and Al O'Meal and Tommy Sexton and Toby Smith and Luke Jones mm-hmm. and Sean McMahon. I'm just thinking him. you know, if there's an, an extra back rower spot that needs to be travelling with the Wallabies over to Argentina, South Africa, you could do worse than, than picking Sean McMahon. No, it mean, can't happen. Why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah oh, no, not, we can't. should No, should happen two weeks we ago. Not but I mean, I mean, that's okay. Get carried
2: away too much about the rising no, the, the class team at, at this point in the competition. But uh, I think um, you got to look at some of the other teams who are starting to really click on the field, yeah. and the, the Western Sydney, Greater Sydney Rams mm. uh, have, have really started to hit some form, and and. Um, and some of the, you know, Brisbane City got up over in New South Wales country. That's another big scalp they've taken. So, there's still, you know, still open comp. Yeah,
1: no, yeah. It, it's a great competition. I'm, I'm loving the hell out of it. I think it's a, a fantastic comp. And, you know, still I think we want to see more of it. We've got the Thursday night games. I think we're starting to see an increasing number of these games live streamed. Obviously, the Queensland games have... Um, which game was it on the weekend that also great, picked up... Greater Sydney
3: and uh, the Stars. The, yeah,
1: um, Bar TV. And, uh, Bar TV did a very good job
3: of, um, of
1: that. Uh, i
3: watched that on my TV through YouTube. That was fantastic. Yep. Um, but, uh, yeah, you're right. It, and I think one of the advantages that the Rising had, because, um, I mean, they already existed as a squad before the NRC, Um so, players from the Dwyer Shield have been training for the NRC since the middle of their season. So, you know, late May, early June, um, alongside, oh, which was the regular development timetable before the NRC existed. And I think what we're seeing now is the teams that started later. Um, so, after, um, after the NRC was confirmed, and then after the... Uh, respective Premier Rugby and Shoot Shield season's finished is, you're right, they are starting to catch up because they're starting to learn how each other plays. I reckon, um, I reckon Brisbane City is, a, is a, um, a real dark horse at the moment. Greater Sydney are, are starting to put together um, some really good play. I'm still yet to see them take a, a big scalp though. I think Sydney... Sydney Stars, who have been a pretty big disappointment, um, is not enough to judge their performance on yet. But they are... You're right. These, these teams in the middle of the table are really starting to um,
1: to build. Will they catch the rising? Probably not. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I, I agree with you, Brisbane City, and, and the big unknown there is when uh, Quade comes back. He's playing a lot of touch football at the moment, uh, socially. Um, as he is his his Sorry, normal <laughs> development path. Uh, that's how he gets yeah. back into the game. But um if he That's gets... one hell of a pathway. Yeah, I know. If he Touch gets football into
3: NRC, into super Rugby, into wallabies.
1: Well if he gets Good. back on the pitch soon for the for the city it might be enough um for him to uh, for them to you know really get the city across the line there. So look it's a great comp. Um this weekend obviously with the wallabies not playing uh, everything else away. Round five, it's a good chance for people to get out there and and really participate in the NRC and and keep that crowd going. I've already mentioned Thursday night, Queensland Country are taking on the Rams at Ballymore, so that'll be the TV game, but also a, a great chance for people to get back to Ballymore and, and watch that. Uh, New South Wales Country on Saturday are taking on the Rising. Now that's at uh, at Orange at Wade Park, so Orange. you know Saturday afternoon footy, country rugby. Um, they've also
3: they've also got I think a farmers market. Um, Alongside, it that'd to be good. Brilliant. But uh, yeah, I think that, and I, I do like. It's one of the things that I, I really loved about the NRC is how teams are getting creative to get, um, you know, and really getting back inside the community to um, to promote the games. You know, stuff like stuff like um, you know, the I think it is a regular farmers market in Orange. They've just moved it to Wade Park.
1: That's brilliant. Yep.
3: Um, which I think is very clever um, but I know the rising have done similar things well not so much farmers markets but they've um, you know they've done similar or they've done things with similar intent to get people into the um, into the stadium as well it, it's it's got a real community atmosphere each NRC game that I say and I think that's you know the ARU, we give them a lot of flack for
1: a lot of things, but they've really hit the nail on the head with this. Well, all you have to do is look at the past few weeks. We've obviously had games in uh, suburban St- Sydney, which is great, but Gold Coast, we there's a game down in Adelaide. Uh, mm. Last week at Lismore, this week at Orange. I think next week, or might the week after, it's off to Townsville. Um, so, look, there, there's... Um, you know, it's it's a great concept and it will only expand. This is its first year, so there's, there's plenty of potential. Look, the last couple of games of this round, uh, the North Harbour Rays take on Perth Spirit at Brookie Oval in Sydney. Saturday, sort of, twilight, 5.30. Mm. And uh, the Sydney Stars taking the Vikings at Leichardt Oval there on Saturday afternoon as well. So. Plenty of great rugby to watch there, guys, and uh, we encourage everyone to get out and support it. We must say that the NRC is a, a sponsor of the podcast or a, a strong supporter of the podcast, um, you know, that, which is great for us, but we're we're just fans of it and we think it's a, a great initiative and, and anyone who's seen it has enjoyed what they've seen. We've just got to get mm. more people seeing it. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys. Look, Hugh and Stu, thanks for your time. Um Enjoy a Wallaby Freak weekend, and I'm sure you'll be out there supporting these NRC games.
2: Oh, yeah, can't wait. Race game at Brookie. Bring it on. Beautiful. Yeah, um, I
1: can't say
3: that I'll be making it out to Orange. Um, oh, but, come on, mate.
2: Uh, Jeez, well, after
3: you've bigged that, up your see, team, you can't, well, can't even a, make the quick... That's, four,
2: that's, it's that's, only that's
3: a quick the... 14 hours, isn't it, for you? That's coming <laughs> oh, too fast. To be honest, I think this is just the kind of the underhanded approach other teams are going to take to beating the mighty Rising is that it's scheduling games in places that I'm not even sure exist. <laughs>
1: yeah, you know, who would name a
3: town Orange? Exactly.
1: All right, look, but, uh, 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 it
3: is, it's it's a great tournament if you can. I think the um is it the Rays playing the Spirit um, this week? Uh,
2: yeah,
1: yeah, it is. Yep.
3: Yeah, uh, uh, that's gonna. I think that's going to be the game of the round because the Spirit were. You know, as much as the, the Rising eventually ran over them, um, the Spirit were phenomenal. Their forward pack was phenomenal on a Thursday night in the last Telecast game. Um, and it's, uh, it's especially notable because I think they travel only with their um, their local boys and not so much their, their super rugby players. So that's going to be an absolute cracker.
1: Well, yeah, that's a big call calling that the match of the round where one vape play two. Um, in in your game when the Eagles take on, oh, you know, I see, uh, see mate, I don't, I'm going to tip the Eagles and the upset there. You, you know, I don't rate the Eagles. Yeah, <laughs> <but. laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> the other thing I should just say is that anyone who hasn't got one of our green and gold rugby commemorative tars stubby coolers, make sure you jump on the blog site and get them there. So the obviously premiership winning Waratahs, we've come up with our own commemorative stubby cooler as we did back in 2011 with the Reds, um, and I think there's still a few more of those uh, Richie McCaw. Uh, infamous pod, uh, stubby coolers as well. So jump on the blog and have a look at those. Hugh and Stuart, Do you enjoy your weekend. Uh, those stubby
3: coolers come in pink.
1: No, not yet. <laughs> I, think, just, I think there's a rising just, one. There's a rising one. Just make a few inquiries. <laughs> we'll make it happen, mate. All right.
3: Thank you.
1: very much. All right, guys. We'll speak to you soon. <laughs> Cheers, guys. All
3: right. Thanks,
1: mate.
0: Yeah, right there. Right there.